0: Plug in headphones to monitor. Hey, hello everyone. Sean Simon's PPG Grandpa just turned this thing back on. Had a wonderful day. My God, I did an SIV course. If you don't know what that is, when you start going into paramotors, this is, this is not acro. SIV is a maneuvers course that helps you understand your wing better. So when you go up and you fly, you realize how strong this damn wing is up there. And you don't have to worry about the thing just dropping out and falling to the ground, which is what I did today with the help of Mr. Andrew Fuller. You know him. I've talked about his SkyTap Angel. I got one myself. Safest frame on the market to my my opinion and I love it to death. Everyone welcome Mr. Andrew Fuller. <laughs> What's up guys? <laughs> Man, today was really awesome. I really appreciate it. We're over here in Lake Wales, Florida. Um, the beautiful lake there was it is it Kissimmee or how do you say that?
1: Well it's Tiger Lake where we launch from. Oh it's Tiger Lake, okay. Yeah. We actually got three different spots that we fly from, depends on the weather. Yeah. But yeah, we stay, we launch at Tiger Lake and then we'll fly from Tiger Lake or Kissimmee Lake. Okay.
0: Kissimmee. I keep on saying Kissimmee and apparently that's not how you say it. That could be right, I could be wrong. Oh no, I mean people <laughs> were telling people were telling me that I was saying it wrong. It's not, it's Kissimmee. Even though, well, anyway, uh, I guess uh, people from Florida know what we're talking about. All right, so I went up there. You guys told me you had a speedboat, and you guys told me, what, three or 4,000 feet high? hmm And is that is that about normal, what what, what uh, any other instructor around the world does, or, or is this something different? Uh,
1: we, we like to think we get the highest toes out there. Um, I think... It depends. We don't like to tow too high because then we can't see you. But when it, uh, we call it adult swim time, when we tow the other instructors or the other tow techs, then we, we're we shooting to get up a mile yet. We haven't gotten it yet just because we're running the classes and, and you know, we're always trying to take care of the students first. But instructor toes will get up around 5,000 feet.
0: Wow, that is really crazy. I kept my Skyfly Skyfly High on to see how high I got. I think my highest was just a little over three thousand feet. Now, when I got up there, there was just a couple of things that you wanted to to do. The first toe was get up there. You know, just feel what the launch feels like. Fly around, enjoy yourself. Come back and land. Why Why would we want to do that instead of doing anything the first
1: launch? So this IVS catered more towards paramotoring pilots. Um, So we realize that they're more, it's normal for them to be in their paramotors and and it feels more natural for them to be in their paramotors. So we hang test them in the morning or the the night before in free flight harnesses, which plenty of them, I think most of the people this weekend had never even been in a free flight harness before. So the first tow is just get used to the tow and the pattern and get used to how the free flying is and how the, the harness works how the weight shift is on that, how to land on it. And just to kind of clear their mind, like, hey, look, you're, you're gonna get towed up, that's something new. You're launching free flight, that's new, you're landing. So just relax, and then the tow after that is when we'll start the maneuvers. Okay, and, and that first,
0: one that I went up, um, I think I pulled big ears just because that was the first time I pulled big ears and I knew it was safe. Uh, flew around up there for a little bit and then came down for a landing. And uh, if you guys have been following me, you know that when I first started, I but landed, I turtled, I did all that stuff that I swore to God I was not gonna do. But damn it, I did. But uh, now I, I I got the secret. The secret, in case you don't know, is to look at the horizon and not your feet when you come in for a landing. I figured it out. I come down like a butterfly. <laughs> but anyway, you didn't so know that no, no. Well, I, yeah, after like three we months.
1: It, yeah, we call it object fixation. Look where you want to go, not what you don't want to hit. That's how, when you wonder, like, man, how did somebody hit the only tree in the field? Mm -hmm. It's because they were like, man, I don't want to land by that tree. Gotcha. So you look at, you know, look 10 feet away from your car. Don't look at your car. Gotcha. You know? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Finally, I mean, I knew it. I didn't understand it, maybe. Um, Every time I came in for a landing, I would look down at my feet. I'd see the grass rush by. Next thing I know, boom, I'm on my butt. So now I know, look forward at the horizon. I got it now. Two thumbs up, come down like a butterfly. Matter of fact, now, um, I don't know if I told you or not, but I am foot dragging probably, you know, 200 feet. And then I pull brakes and stop right right in the middle. I'm sure you've already done that, right?
1: Yeah, but I saw, I saw your videos, too. I was pretty proud of that one. Because I remember you had, uh, you had some good, you were testing out our, our, uh, our frame, right. our, our stiffness of our frame first couple flights you had on it a lot of the flies i had on
0: and i tell you what uh, um, i'm not afraid of bumping my butt on the ground anymore
1: yeah that that's a big that's a big help for when you're trying to push your limits you know like you're more likely to try a foot drag landing if you're on a stronger frame than a weaker frame so
0: exactly exactly and i think a lot of people feel the same way that they don't want to they progress slower because they're afraid that they're going to bust a frame. Um, and also too like, like this SIV course, I was afraid to do anything other than maybe slight S turns because I thought the, the wing would collapse too many G forcers or something like that. But on tow two of the day, I went up there and we did some really interesting things. Um, I'll let, uh, Andrew Kind of walk you through what I did and how he taught me to uh, to do what I did.
1: Day two toes?
0: No, no. Um, second toe up after I flew around.
1: After oh. second toe of the first day. Second toe of the first day yeah. was um, all asymmetric deflations. Mm-hmm. So we would do just quick pops where you grab all the a lines, you pull them down, you let the glider deflate, and then you let it reinflate and fly straight. Then we would do where you pull it and you hold the deflation in, and you fly straight with the deflation and then we would do where you pull on you know deflation or collapse Uh you know paraglider guys call them deflations and paramotor we actually call it collapses so oh really I didn't know that that was a difference yeah deflation is actually the proper term uh-huh. um, so when I'm around free flyers I only say deflation because if I say collapse they kind of look at me funny oh. yeah yeah it's kind of so what if you notice like on like videos when I post them I say like collapses I say deflations and collapses mm. because um, that's what people are searching for is, is the collapse. But gotcha. anyhow, we would pull a or have you pull a collapse on one side and then lean into the collapse, initiating a nice turn and then straighten that out. And then I think at one point with you, we had you turn against the collapse and at another point we had you use the collapse to turn back around and fly for, back. For future. a 360, right? Yeah, yeah. And and the reason why we do that is if you are flying by something that you don't want to be close to and you take a deflation on that side. You'll know how to fly the glider straight rather than flying into, let's say, a cliffside or like a a worse area where if you know the weather is going to be worse over there because you just took a collapse coming into that area, you want to steer away. But let's say you have a cravat. You want to be able to have the cravat and steer away from what you want to lose. Also. Or what you want to avoid also if you take a deflation on the side away from what you're trying to avoid it's okay to use that energy to get to get out of there so exactly
0: yeah when I first when I first started doing paramotor I think one of the biggest things that well I think that a lot of paramotor pilots you know are afraid of is that wing collapsing and falling out of the sky um, I was flying for six months before I got my first reserve and still haven't flown with the reserve because it's you know still at home. And uh, I came over here to do the SIV course, and I don't need the motor over here because you provide everything. And thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, so when I first started doing the collapses up there, and I was really astounded at how much pulling i had to pull on these lines i had to use gloves you but you guys provided gloves had to use gloves to pull so hard and the darn thing would just not collapse is like i thought it was i mean to me it, it, not
1: only that when you hold it it's trying to reopen yeah. and then when you release it it immediately reopens yes. like you, you're thinking it's going to be i'm going to release and then i am gonna have to pump the brake and fight this thing out and then when you let the collapse out, or deflation, and you, before you can even pull that brake, mm-hmm. it's it's open. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, it, it's really amazing. I know that's one of the things that I was worried about was you know taking the collapse or or one side you know collapsing in you know losing altitude and coming in for a crash landing oh no i'm not worried about that i i pulled big ears and i barely went down i pulled um uh, asymmetric collapse is that what we're doing asymmetric deflation or whatever you call it and um the wing was still up there i mean everything i had was to pull and collapse that son
1: of a gun well even even on the next uh, the next toe when we were doing the frontals right. and we had you holding a frontal collapse and you your, your were you're you you were not even flying forward at that point anymore. You were just going down because you had hold it. You had held it for so long. Like you were barely losing altitude.
0: No, no, and that's the cool and that's the neat thing is that I thought when you take a collapse or
1: free fall, right? That's what you thought. You thought you went into free fall and then everything the lines went slack. Right. You know? And, the, the, and the, it's, the, it's 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 not like that. No, you it's know it's not like that at all. I did I don't
0: even feel like I'm losing,
1: you know, altitude. Yeah. Well, that's actually, let's clarify on that one. It's, it depends on the wing, mm-hmm. but, like, you're, you're on the Roadster, right? I have the 28-meter Roadster, right? Yeah, and that's that's a great wing, sized perfectly for you. It's, um, it's, it's nice and solid. It handles turbulence relatively well. Extremely well. And it recovers good, and it's got a nice, solid base to it. Yes. So now you know that. Whereas before, you would assume that that wing, when it deflates, is going to react like the video you saw on YouTube. Right. And had you been on that 17 square meter, whatever, it might. Or that 21 square meter, whatever wing that is, that you saw in that video, it might do it. Right. Now, if you brought that wing to this SIV and you pulled that deflation and that happened, you're over water with reserves in a rescue boat. Right. So that's the best place to let it happen. You're also probably another 30 pounds underweight than you would be on your paramotor. So to give you an, a, an idea of what your wing's gonna act like, I think the biggest problem in paramotoring is people aren't sure of what their wings are gonna actually do when they deflate, if they deflate, or what it's gonna take to deflate them. Right. And, and that restricts a lot of pilots. And that's, and that's if you look over in the free, the free flight world, you prevent collapses and deflations every time you fly almost. Cause you're always flying in some sort of lift and the terrain determines what the wind is doing. And you're constantly going in and out of sync and then you start getting in the thermal game and you're in and out of sync. you get getting wind gusts and all that. So they are used to constantly managing their glider and they've seen it deflate and they've prevented deflations. Whereas paramotor guys, they fly in the morning and the evening and they don't encounter that stuff. So when they do encounter what a free flight pilot would consider minimal or normal or, hey, this is going to give me lifts, paramotor pilots, they get a little bit Nervous about that, mm-hmm. and they, they're, they're not quite sure of their wings because there's a lot of there's stories out there, and usually the ones that surface are the rare ones, and sometimes they're over exaggerated, sometimes there's weird conditions. And uh, you know, a lot of times it's pilot error, and the pilot doesn't know what to do if they get in those deflations. So, a lot of it is the pilot coming out there with their wing and deflating it, seeing how it reacts, what it takes to deflate it, what it takes to recover those deflations. And then also when somebody shows up with uh, a certain wings, like like the pilot today, uh, he had a wing that, that I had tested in the past that did not full stall very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just put him on a different wing that full stalled really well, and he had to do his first full stalls on, those wings to get on that wing to, to get an idea of what that maneuver was like, even though his wing couldn't reach it. But also in that process leading up to there, he was using his own wing and he was seeing exactly, he would know you know, when 50% of your wing collapses, you're gonna dive 180 on the wing he was at that day. Exactly. You know? um, and, and
0: also too, when you come to these classes, you don't have to do all of these things like um, frontal spirals and collapses and all that stuff. You can come here and you can do whatever you want to try. And I met uh, neopositivity.com over here, which is (laughs) his shirt, uh, neopositivity.com. And met him for the first time, which was really cool. And all he wanted to do was big ears. He got up there, he did his big ears, and he was happy. And that's all he wanted to do. So when people come here, like me... Um, you said, you know, try this other wing. Let's do these other things. And I'm like, how about I stick with my wing and I do these particular things that I, I want to try. And you're like, no problem, right? Because you yeah. with these SIV courses, they're pretty much what you want to feel comfortable with,
1: right? Yeah, we have a fluid a syllabus. Mm-hmm. We, uh, so some people come for a couple days and then we want to take advantage of that full couple days and building them into that stuff. Right. Some people come and they have one day. And, and they got ambitions and goals, and this is what they want to achieve, and we work with that. So we had a guy come last week that full stall was what he wanted to do, real good pilot. He actually, uh, real good pilot. He did like 23 in a row circle foot dregs. Wow. Yeah, just, just to beat the WPPJ world record that's to cool. confirm that it wouldn't be confirmed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty neat, and that's what he wanted to do. And he was... He was well above average of what would show up to like a first time SIV. Mm-hmm. So the first toe, we just went through minor deflations or, you know, we, we did speed bar deflations and all that stuff on on his wing. And then we went right to the full stall, but we switched wings because he had he had a reflex slider and they just they just do different things on full stalls. So he did the full stalls a couple runs. After that, we went right to sats and then we we let him off on his own to do full stalls and sats on his last two. The guy got like six or seven toes in one day. Wow. Yeah. He's totally animal. So, and then at the end he did a double reserve toss. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So
0: you, is, is that a rite of passage when you do an SIV course, you uh, pull a reserve?
1: Yep. Yeah. You, you, you should, you want to, f- you want to throw that reserve before you leave. Cause there's a lot of things you figure out when you throw it about what it feels like. You don't want your first time to be overland with the motor on. And if you've already come to the SIV, it's the end of the day and you haven't thrown yet, then why not go up and throw it? It's just, your mind is already probably so saturated with everything you've just learned in the last, you know, day or two. But throwing that reserve is just one more feeling that you get to experience and you're already there and the, the stuff's gonna get wet and we're gonna throw it in the back of the truck and then we're gonna take it home, we're gonna dry it all out and you go home, so.
0: Right, so I'm not actually using my reserve and my wing to get all wet. We're using
1: your reserve and your wing. Yes. That is amazing. Yeah, so we, we rent reserves, we rent harnesses, um, but you can bring your own reserve and uh, you can bring your own harness. But if, if you don't have it, we have that as well. And we, we're pretty picky about our own equipment. So all the harnesses that we use that we rent to people, They have about six inches of foam underneath your butt and your lower back. And what that does is that protects you from any sort of impact. If you blow a launch completely, we have padding underneath you to to keep you safe. Um, And then our reserves we pick, we we try and oversize them for people. And uh, if somebody shows up and we have our standard reserve in our harness and it doesn't quite fit their weight, then we'll just repack it right there on the spot. But Which you were doing for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah and also, same thing goes with wings. Like, if you show up with the wing and you want to learn your wing, that's cool. But if there's a maneuver that your wing doesn't do that well. And and some of that I know because I've tested out some wings. I need to test out more. I haven't tested them all. But I've been testing a lot of paramotor wings. If, if I've not tested a wing, but I know that another wing is similar to that wing in design, then I'll make an educated guess on how it's going to react in certain maneuvers, you know, more specifically the full stall is the, or just dynamics of asymmetric deflations or the, the dynamics of speed bar and trimmers out deflations, you know, so we'll put you on a wing that's certified and safe. Or that we know that we've already tested so we can guarantee that you're not going to be in a sticky situation. Right, so. and and that's the reason why you put me on that
0: um, other A-wing to do a maneuver. What was that maneuver that you wanted me to do on that A-wing? Was that the full stall because the Roadster is not all that hot to do
1: it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the full stall, yeah. You want to do that on a certified wing. Reflex wings, all the reflex wings I full stalled, they do not react well. They do everything backwards of what a conventional certified wing does. Or I wouldn't even say certified, I would just say conventional wing, because uh, conventional, uh, meaning non-reflex.
0: Okay, real quick though, for, for the audience, what's the difference between conventional and reflex? What makes a reflex a reflex?
1: It's the design of the wing, a reflex wing, when you go into reflex mode, what they do is they, and, and something's weird about this, where they don't, they, they carry certain similar characteristics over when they're not in reflex mode because we never have anybody stall anything in reflex mode, and I never stalled anything in reflex mode, and I would, I would never try this. But when their trimmers in, even not really in reflex mode, just because of the design of the wing, when you full stall them, the wingtips touch behind you, and the middle of the wing is trying to fly, and then the wingtips are trying to accelerate. And the inner quarters of the wing are kind of holding back. It's, it's a weird situation. What happens is you can't get it into like the deep, like the really deep full stall mm-hmm. where you can settle underneath the glider and you can find tail slide and you can exit tail slide. Whereas conventional wings, they, when they stall, the wing tips, will, they might tap each other in front, but then they stay in front as you find tail slide and you work your way out from there and it's very stable. And I'm not quite sure what the difference is in the design of the wings that that does that when they're all trimmed in. But I know reflex mode is when you release the trailing edge of the glider. And what it actually does is it kind of dumps air. It dumps air, but it also pressurizes the front of the glider from a a foil standpoint, from the wind coming over the top uh, in front of the glider, kind of pushes it down. But also, what it really does is it loads up the leading edge of the glider. Now, every single wing, whether it's conventional or reflex, when you push on the speed bar, like if it's a paragliding wing, you only have speed bar. Trim tabs don't exist. In paramotoring, they have what we we call motorizers or trimmers, Uh and then you have speed bar on top of that. But it, it loads the wing up significantly more. But something to note... Reflex wing, the last 15% of the Enzo-3 is in reflex mode, which is the competition wing mm-hmm. that wins all the competitions worldwide. Really? Yes. They, 90% of the pilots that show up have this Enzo-3. It's top of the line, ozone wing. Um, but the last, and pilots don't use it very much because you, you lose so much altitude. When you, it's for when you're coming at the end of the race, when you make that last turn and you have enough glide to make it to your, to, you know, the finish line. That's when you pump it in reflex mode. But um, so far as characteristics, I'm not sure what the glider design is when it's trimmered in. But I do know every single reflex wing that I've stalled reacts different from every single conventional wing. And it reacts different in a way that is less, much less controllable. So, in
0: other words, if you're going to be doing this full stall or any of these things that you see people do out there in YouTube land, you want to make sure that you actually go to an SIV course before you try them uh, in
1: your backyard, you know, at 2,000 feet. Absolutely. I I really wish that everybody would try anything new, over water, free flight, reserves, uh, rescue boat. And somebody on the radio. Right. I didn't go that route. Um, but, you, but you've been in this for many, many years, it right? It wasn't as big when I got it back into it. It was nowhere near as big as it is now. Right. And YouTube didn't exist. You didn't know, and you know, a lot of the really good instructors are really hard to find. Right. Um, so it was a it was, a dip, it was a different atmosphere. But it was about 2016 where I really got serious about free flight and where I really got serious about SIVs. Mm-hmm. And, and thermaling, and I started training with, you know, cross-training, and training with different trainers, uh, anybody I could learn from at that point. And I had been searching for that in the paramotor side, and I couldn't quite find it, you know. I felt like I had exhausted my resources, so I, I went over to the free-flight side, and then I started bringing what I learned in the free-flight side over to the paramotoring side. Gotcha. And that totally changed the whole game.
0: So. That, that's interesting so that i guess i never even thought about this so siv courses were what mostly made for free flight people or is the siv course they they're all still made for free flight okay and we and people that are doing paramotors we just want to be able to understand what the wings are capable of and you know release this uh this this feeling of you know fear that you know these things can collapse and we could fall follow the sky.
1: yes and there's, there's also, you know, that's the main reason for going to an SIV is to learn your own wing and to learn the, how to recover from deflations, what it takes to recover, and just to do certain things for the first time. And if you, you want to push your limits at all, it's going to be over that water. And that's where you should do it because we're there for you. You know? Like, you know, you're paying for this. We are there to rescue you. We are there to coach you on this. And we're there to repack your reserves. We're there to give you a safe harness. Do it all there. And then if you're not going to do it in this SIV environment, then don't do it outside of the SIV environment, you know? And once you can dial in maneuvers over the water, mm-hmm. and, and you don't even have to, like, completely dial in a maneuver to start practicing, practicing it over land or practicing with your motor on. You just have to know that you're not going to just do the wrong thing. You know, it's one thing to miss a maneuver. It's another thing to do the wrong reaction at the wrong time. You know, and and altitude is your friend. Altitude is your friend. Absolutely, the more altitude, the better. I see a lot of people, and and I understand this. I remember when I was when I was first getting into paramotoring and, and I was doing maneuvers. I felt safer doing like wingovers low.
0: Really. And I
1: mean and. <laughs> Yeah, now it's totally different. I also fly different gliders, mm-hmm. but I mean, we're talking about in my first year of being a pilot, me pulling wing overs at like three hundred feet off the ground. Wow. Yes, and, I, and 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 I, but I felt safer about it, and they were, they were like, "Dude, you gotta, you gotta get up higher. You like, what, you, what the heck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why don't you do that stuff up high?" It's like, well, because I'm up high, and. It's kind of scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess you're right, because yeah. I've actually talked with some paramotor pilots that never really gone over 500 feet. Yes.
1: Yeah. Neo and, never been over 700 feet.
0: Yeah, and yeah, yeah, Neo, you know. And I've talked with other ones, too, that they are like, I don't want to go high because it's scary up it's there. Scary.
1: Yeah, I remember... Um... Uh, Boyd Stratton, the uh, the instru- he's like the lead instructor for Team Fly Halo hey, now, and that's that's the guy that gave me the majority of my instruction when I when, when I first started out, and um, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, like I know you, because I was when he was the instructor, I was um, I was a top student, and they put me up first, they made me do all the stuff. And they'd be like, come on, go up higher. (laughs) And I didn't want to do it. And everybody thought I was fearless, right? Because I started off self-trained. So everybody thought I was just, and I was like 26 years old, right? So everybody thought I was just this fearless pilot. I'm like, man, I really, you know, like after like five, six, you know, 700 feet, that's, That's we're getting, yeah, we're getting high at that point. He's like, I'm like, didn't, don't, weren't you scared to go up? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, how did you get through that? And he goes... So what I did was I took the, I took the throttle, mm-hmm. right, and I took the the, the trigger that okay. activates the the, the tr- and I squeezed it all the way down, and I just Definitely. made myself, I made myself do it. I was like, all right. That's
0: funny. That's funny. Yep. I've so, I've I've, so I've i I tend to be. I right? I tend to stay at about twenty five hundred feet. That seems to be my average. Didn't realize that was my average until I saw Skyfly High.
1: Yeah. And so I. uh I've met some pilots that do not fly low at all, and they just love being high. Like they, they take off and they climb up to like six, seven, eight. I know one pilot; he will climb up till he runs out of gas. In this coast. And he goes down. What's the
0: highest he's been?
1: Do you know? I mean, I has he hit that eighteen thousand or not yet? No, it's. I think it's only been like like five or six thousand feet. Um, so I guess not a lot of gas in the gas tank. Yeah, a little underpowered too. Okay. Yeah, underpowered. And, um, but he's just fearless about that part. Now coming in low, I mean, he he'll knee he'll knee drag land every time, right? But that's his. It took me a while to get used to going up high. Like not, what I do, I took that instructor's advice and I just I powered through it. I hit I hit the throttle, I climbed up, and what happens is you hit about a thousand feet and you're like, all right, and then 1,200 is nothing. Yeah because after 1000 feet it's all the same. It, it like if you drop me at 5000 feet and drop me at like 9000 feet on two or let's say 5000 feet and 10000 feet just like out of a helicopter or you took me out of, if you took me up in a helicopter and you right. said how high are we and you took me up to 10000 and said how 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 high are we I would you be like really yeah, I, yeah I would be like uh, 3000 feet and <laughs> 5,000 feet, you know, <laughs> like, or, or I'd be like, you know, 4,000 feet and 6,000 feet. It's, there's no difference at that point. No. And there's nothing going on up there. It's so boring. The only thing, the only reason you should fly up that high, there's two reasons. One, to do acro. All right. uh, reason number two, if you're in a country like Costa Rica or Mexico, that allows you to fly through clouds.
0: Oh, they do.
1: Yeah. And then you fly through and above, or around <laughs> the clouds, because, to say
0: that you can't, that you did, because you can't
1: hear, n- no, man, it, there's, there's something, like, holy about that, really, T- yeah, when you, when you, when you, punk, like, I'm not gonna, like, our first, ten times I flew through clouds in Mexico, and it wasn't really, it wasn't, like, these big clouds, you gotta watch out for the, cl- the cumulus clouds, right. right, you gotta, you catch, like, The clouds that are a few hundred feet high, and it's a nice layer. Yes, yes. Not the big fluffy ones. No, no, no. You don't go – it should be – if you're going to fly through them, it's got to be significantly wider, like 5 to one, ten to 1, wider than it is high. You never fly in anything – you never fly in anything that's higher than it is wide. Interesting. Because of the – That's a bad boy. Really? Yeah, yeah. You're in for a ride on that one.
0: So you, and, and if, if you, you and up. if you are like underneath of it, that's called cloud suck. What what does that do?
1: Usually, it'll just suck you up to cloud base, uh-huh. but if you get in the wrong spot or if it's nice and powerful, then it'll pull you right into it. Wow. Yeah, and your coolness can can leave you pretty quick, because you get disoriented. Oh, I bet. You know, you're not quite sure. like your wing is is punching and moving and going back. Now this is something you get used to, you know, when you do it. But you get pulled up in that stuff, and you're not quite sure if your wing has is surging, mm-hmm. you know, or or if it surges, did it surge like like 10 degrees, or did it surge like 40 degrees? You can't tell, you know. And then and when it gets when it starts getting popped back behind you, and there's cores of these clouds, so you get getting tighter. To the, and you're not quite sure what the core is because you right. can't see anything, you know. You're not looking at your instruments because at this point you're just trying to keep the glider open. Yeah. So don't <laughs> but when you fly through these so you're flying up to these clouds and you're at the base of them. Mm-hmm. And they're like 300 feet, 400 feet above you. Right. And like you're climbing up to them all confident and you get up there and you're like, ooh, wow, man, I don't know. I don't know, man, like... Uh, it didn't start first pull when I was on the ground. <laughs> you, know? like, you start looking, you start looking at reasons, man, and um, and it's good to have a buddy with you that's a better pilot than you. So, so just buddies and in says, general. Let's do it. So you know, just, yeah. let's so do it, and and then you follow them up, and you come up, and it was kind of dark down below, and you come up through those clouds, and you get above, like oh my god, the sun shining on this white blanket of clouds, and you can't even see. <clears throat> I've I've been through it before where you can't see above the clouds, mm-hmm. you fly through them, and you can't really see the land when you fly, but it, you're, you're, there's only like a 30 foot where you can't see that's either of the two. You it? know where it's, it's, it's perfect, yeah. it's like it's just like you're popping through, you just pop through a sheet, and, uh, and when you get up there, you don't ever wanna come down, and you'll get tricked. Is it butter smooth? It's butter smooth. Yeah. And. What do you, what do you, do you get tricked about? Usually when you do it, the sun is setting, that's when you like to do it. Oh. But you're up nice and high, two, right. three, four, five thousand feet, right? So the sun will set and you'll be up there, like just enjoying it, looking at everything, and then and it'll start shooting the orange across everything. And you'll come back down through the clouds dark as hell, dark as it could be, wow. with the clouds covering A bit of ar- the Yeah, the moon light. and the stars, you know, wow. <laughs> in Mexico with very little light pollution. So, okay. but yeah, and when I lived in Mexico, like night flying was it
0: is now now in mexico are you allowed to fly at night or or is it still the half an hour after and before sunset sunrise thing
1: as far as i know you can fly whenever you want there wow that's interesting do you have to wear strobes or anything no through clouds no no strobes yeah like we would take uh we would take uh midnight flights wow if it was a full moon full moon flights I want to go to Mexico. That's why everybody wants you to go to Mexico and fly. Here's the thing you got to be careful about the landings. You got to have people, you got to have an illuminated runway. And that could just be your buddy turning his truck on. Right, right. right? But you can't do it without it. Uh, we tried a couple times because you're basically like, okay, I think the, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 feet up, you know, I'm eight feet up, I'm five feet up ground. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> like, there it is. And I, I turned on my buddy, I'm like, D- okay, just, just to let you know, it's like six feet. And you're just like, okay, no, I got it. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> that's crazy. So, uh, yeah, I've I've, uh,
0: I've never flown in another country. I have flown in Arkansas where I started. I've flown over in uh, Oklahoma where a lot of the, the guys that I've trained with flies, and that, that's where they train. And now I'm over here in Florida, so I've flown in three states.
1: Woohoo! <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Florida's the mecca. What's that? Florida's the mecca for paramotoring.
0: I I believe it.
1: I'm telling you, like, the, there's so many people. We'll go out to our field to fly. Yeah. And, uh, we'll be like, what's, what, what's that? Oh, paramotor guys. Gotcha. Just, just two of them, just coming in, you know? Now, I used to, I remember when I was here, you know, seven, eight years ago. Yeah, I do paramotoring. People be like, what? I'd never heard of that before. That's now, everyone's like, Oh, my buddy does that. Uh, I'm like, no way. What's his name? That's my buddy. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it's it's just blown up, and uh, it's kind of like with uh, like soccer and football, the big the big states in those are also the big ones in paramotoring. Texas is big, California's big, right. you know, but Florida's usually number three for paramotoring, as far as I know, it's, it's number one that's pretty cool.
0: Well, I mean, it's the air is butter. I mean, you know, I was going up. We I was being towed up and here it is, midday, you know, and it's butter smooth up there and I tell you what, honestly, if I had a motor, I would not have felt bad at all uh going up there and and flying with a motor. So this has been really interesting. Now, what if somebody wants to uh look into these paramotors, uh maybe your SIV course or or anything like that. How, how, how do we get up with you, Andrew?
1: Uh, SkyTapParamotors.com. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can give me a call me at 813-391-0237. And uh, we also have a YouTube channel, which is uh, SkyTap Angel. So.
0: Okay. And you do a lot of videos there, and you show how your frame is really good. You try to butt-drag it, and you try to break it. And uh, um, one of the things I really like about your frame is that you have the most incredible guarantee i've ever heard and that if you break your mainframe because you come down too hard or or butt drag or whatever you do and you break it your guarantee is if you have it on video you'll replace it for free that's right And, and let me ask you this does scout do anything like that
1: No. Okay.
0: Um, I know there's other paramotor companies. Is there any other paramotor company that does anything like that? Uh, No. Okay, so if I had a Scout and broke it, would I have to pay
1: for it? (laughs) We got it. We gotta stop. If, if 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 I if I, I if, if I like I like Scout so Scout Scout's actually my fourth favorite frame. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. There. No, I'm not saying you know just I'm
0: just saying any paramotor company out there does not have your warranty. If you break it, you buy a new one, right? No, no,
1: no, no. no. Scout. Oh, here now, I got to break one. If you break the main frame of Scout and you say send me a new one, mm-hmm. they actually make you send them the old one. Okay. So it's like a, it's like a swap out type no, of thing. No, no. Before they will send you a new one.
0: Oh, so you got to send your broken one out you know, and they will send yeah, you a new
1: one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, that's what's led to a couple people getting really good at fiberglass and aluminum welding, fiberglass work and aluminum welding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause they're like, hold on. I don't, can I, can I just get a, can I just get a frame? What, why well, I got to mail it to Europe and then wait for you to receive it and then give it back, uh-huh. you know? Um, but Scout though man Scout is It's such a it's Scout is one of the Few paramotors Like in my career mm-hmm. That's come out Like in my Total flying career That's come out That was built from the ground up Like The, the manufacturer of that He looked at a lot of stuff And he took it He took it real seriously And he He actually put a formula To designing his frame Really? Yeah what, one of the things I think we did a little bit better than Scout, now, is we we took, I think we took a little bit more real world, exp- I'm sure him and I could get in, I mean, I'd love to have a talk with the manufacturer of that, talk about where we did it, so like, when he did his thrust line, he did his thrust line with the prop directly with the, where it hangs with the carabiners, uh-huh. where the glider hangs. But What happens is there's prop torque that torques and twists up and over, right? Right.
0: And they have the ones that 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 the carabiners
1: are on the harness. No, they have they have dude, they have really good weight shifts on the scouts. It's it's not as good as mine. <laughs>
0: well, wait, well, I know, I know no, no, of, I know there's different type of it's, it's, I know there's different type of weight shift. So and and connecting to harnesses, you can connect to scouts.
1: The best weight shifting scouts. The best can what I call like your swing arm, your conventional frames. Right. Okay. So they, they do a real good job of they they, they utilize I think they have that dialed in. Okay. But I but swing arms will not weight shift like fixed hang points. And if anybody wants to challenge that, like, come on. Like let's let like, we'll challenge it.
0: So what are, you, what are you trying to say that these like fixed hang you know, points that we have yeah, on, on the I'll angel
1: three sixty. I'll pull a three sixty tighter than anybody on any sort of swing arms. Yeah, and like, just come on and get it. So people
0: are trying to say that, don't get the fixed hand points like this because you won't be able to weight
1: shift? Yeah, that's an old stigma because um, the original flat top and the and the, and the walker jet, mm-hmm. had they, they were really close together. They were, they were only like, like 17 inches apart. You could barely even fit in there. Right. You know, like I could barely even fit in there. Right. And they, they didn't have weight shift. And that was back in the day when nobody had weight shift. Every, everybody else was high hang point, So that was an advancement at the time. So then they figured out how to make the fixed hang points weight shift, which is by making them wider right. and a couple of other geometry changes. But that's the main thing behind it. And then the other frames went from high hang point, which everybody used to have, to swing arms. But swing arms, there's, there's, there's a, you lose a lot of safety with swing arms. And um, you have to weight shift it's less accurate because you're not you have to shift your weight, yes. Same as we have to shift our weight, but we get to shift our weight a lot further. And you know, on swing arms, you have to lift up a leg because you have to you have to lift up and push down on a leg. You have to allow the swing arm to actually rise up, right? Whereas what we're doing is we're just shifting to the side of the frame mm-hmm. and our actual weight shift is what is putting the weight, shifting the weight. On the, other on, on the angel. Yeah, yeah, on the angel. It's, you're actually shifting your weight to one side of the frame, which is causing it. And you're really good with your rolling your hips, so you can be very accurate with this. So if you're re- really trying to micromanage your glider, you can be very accurate with your weight shift, correcting it without having to actually use brakes. Whereas on swing arm frames, it's more of a, uh, we're either going left or we're going right. And you have to Pull one leg up, push the other leg down, and roll your hips mm-hmm. to get it to go. And you can't do these tiny little movements. Like when you're actually just shifting your weight, you can roll your hips around just like you're shaking your ass in the seat, you know. On swing arms, you're talking about moving your legs up and down while doing that. It's it's nowhere near as quick, and it's nowhere near as effective. So, but it's very interesting. Yeah, but but Scout has is like up there. Like, I mean, like, for, for that method, for that method, Scout's the best. Yeah. For that method. Um, but there's, I think there's a better method, you know? Right. And, and I've, I've, I've flown a lot of, a lot of Scout. Um, like my original instructor, now work with Scout. Right. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for that company. And the owner, he's one of the, the manufacturer, he's one of the few people that really built it from the ground up, and he built it off of a free-flight perspective. Which is why I think it was so good, is because he took all of his knowledge from free-flight, and that's what he was trying to emulate, right? And, uh, damn and good ma- it's a damn good machine. It really is. It's just... And it's the, the anti-torque compensation is, is phenomenal, but it's just... I think we did it better. So what I think what we did differently was we said, okay and flying these scouts it's like yeah that's better than everything else Mm -hmm. but based on what i'm feeling off of this i think if we take what you got with the the numbers in the piece of paper the geometry and we 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 account for like the real life it it sounds kind of insulting but i'm trying to say like what happens on top of what you can calculate on paper and we noticed that there was more torque so we brought things up and we messed with the weight shift or you know the geometry slightly more and we brought our hang points up just a little bit more and we noticed that 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 counters the upper torque of the prop better and the thrust line a lot better it makes a big difference for foot dragon, for instantly coming off throttle for instantly coming off throttle and um I have to admit i mean
0: i flew a flat top at first and that was my first one and then i got uh, the angel um, there is a huge difference uh, you can definitely weight shift a lot better in the angel i wasn't expecting that when i went to the angel i was thinking okay it's just all right it's a round top and it's not a flat top it has pretty colors it's blue and it's not gray all right uh, maybe a little bit more padding in, in the shoulders so you know yay yay it's good but there's a ton of geometry difference in it to where it definitely is a lot more smoother and you don't have to worry about um i don't know
1: well those are actually two different issues what's, what's that the, so the the weight lot- shift or what well the thrust line right. and the weight shift were two separate things um so the flat top has fixed tank points but it has a really shallow roll in the fixed tang points. So it almost operates like the swing arms. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's better, but there is definitely room for improvement because the flat top you could, in situations, you, you weight shift too hard to one side. And if you're in that turn, weight shifting out of that turn is an effort. I've, I've noticed that too, yeah. yeah, so we tried to rebalance that and, and and that's one of the things that people when they switch over, they're talking about the accuracy of the, the weight shift and how easy it is to get out of weight shift because yes. it's really easy to get into weight shift and the weight shift is very effective, a lot more effective than most paramotor frames, but getting out of it is a different story. And so we wanted to get out of the get out of factor. And that's important, like, especially like I'm, I'm striving for acro and paramotor acro is something that's pretty much untouched out here Mm -hmm. and getting back to neutral or being automatically reset to neutral is a major safety factor.
0: You know what I've noticed is that I know people call them kidney crushers, but with those, uh, triangles inverted to where it's not a triangle in your kidneys but flatter i actually have more weight shift room for my butt to go left and right to be able to to weight shift matter of fact i know i just told you this but but um, i'll let the audience know is that as soon as i take off i stow my brakes and then i just weight shift because the weight shift is so easy and the comfort bars, I'm, I'm just really, I'm kicking back like it's my lazy boy. And all I do is move my butt left and right, and I can make some pretty, pretty big turns.
1: Yeah, I, I gotta say, super proud of the weight shift. Yes. See, I, Amazing. If there's one thing we've we received compliments on, it's it's the performance in the weight shift, and and that means a lot because, it, I quite- heard
0: that with the extra padding, the weight shift is bad. Is that true? Yeah.
1: That's that's one of the funniest. Uh, <laughs> that's that when I saw that when I saw that video, yeah. um, I I felt like I had just like like Did like like no like I like <laughs> I had bowed my head and somebody put a medal on it, like they were like you've done it, right. and your competition is so desperate, you know like how could padding how could shoulder padding, which is meant for ground comfort right. right? affect in-flight comfort like come like the shoulder
0: pads are not even touching you when you're in flight you're sitting in the chair
1: yeah yeah that's yeah i I felt like uh i i knew that that was the day where i was like we have just we're doing way better than we expected (laughs) like now now we're getting the desperate desperate attempts you know i used to be that i was uh a devil worshiper you know that was that was the attacks on me from my my competition i was Actually, it was a, I was attacked by your competition because I went to the Angel. That happens, you know. If, if when you switch, that's what I try and tell people this. Like, look, if you switch from a flat top to an Angel, it doesn't matter what your relationship is. You're gonna get smashed. Yes. You're gonna get smashed. Like,
0: even I, if you I, don't I, know I got, the dude, got, even if you were never went to super training, even if you have no connection to the guy whatsoever, yeah. boom, smashed.
1: Yeah, like he's, you never had super training. Yeah. So. And you got hammered. I So, um, like, in 2016, I, I got put through the reamer because I was starting to fly a lot of other wings, but my main predominant one was the uh, Emotion 3, which is the ENA-certified glider. That's the one that I flew today, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, that was actually an upgrade in safety from the Dominator, mm-hmm. which was the K2, which was actually what I was flying. Because the Dominator was... Uh, or actually, the Dominator's never been load tested or anything like that. But the the K2, which it originated from, was LTF 12, which is a different certification. But that's their beginner certification, right? Right. And when, but it's not their beginner. Begin, I think you have one, and you have one two. When you translate the LTF certification over to the ENA, it's actually a B. Really. So the Dominator is actually a B. It's always been a B um well the k2 was always a b and always will be Dominator dominator's a direct copy of that with slightly different material so i switched over to an emotion three a u-turn emotion three because i like the way the glider stores energy like it's nice and mellow it just stalls really well but then when you pull and you want some some good input the glider goes and it goes nice and it still has the safety and it retains that safety And it's actually, it's an ENA, by ENA, Mm -hmm. you know, by the ENA standard. So it's actually safer on paper. Like, we got the paperwork for this. And I did that, and I just got trashed, like, saying I was going to die in six months. I had no clue what I was talking about. And the goofy part about that one is, uh, like, a month before that, I was doing SIVs with Brad Ganuccio, who's won national championship, like, close to a dozen times, maybe more, maybe less Right around that area. Guy's been doing SIVs for 22, 20. At that time, I think he was doing it for 22. So probably now it's been like 26, you know? Yeah. And the guy was, he was the second individual in the entire country, like 15 years ago, probably more by now, um, that was doing the Infinity Tumble. Like, hands down, best pilot in the country. And I was doing SIVs with him. Right. And um, on good terms with Dell, because I fly a flat top, fly a Dominator. I have a couple other wings, but Dominator's the primary one. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm training with Brad. Check out what I'm doing. And he's like, dude, that guy's trying to kill you. He's trying to – he's intentionally teaching you wrong. He's like, you know, you're a better pilot than him. And I was like, yeah, Dell, that's – okay, look, that's just not true. I'm not a better pilot than Brad Ganuscio. Like, Brad Ganuscio's been a le- – he's a legend, you know, and, and he's, he just won nationals like two months ago. And he's probably going to win nationals last year. He won it the year before. He's the only paramotor pilot I know with a trophy case of, of paragliding, like, you know, placing in competitions worldwide, winning him in other countries. And does,
0: does Dell do that by any chance?
1: Never, never entered a competition or anything. He used to train, he used to take SIVs with Brad, but he's like, you know, you're a better pilot than Brad. And I'm just like, no. There's no way. This guy's this guy's the you know, the best, you know? And he's like, "Well, you're a better kiter than he is." And I was like, "Yeah, that's just not true either." Yeah, I mean, the guy grew up on Southside Point of the Mountain, Southside Point of the Mountain. He used to live on Southside. Now he owns a house on Northside of Point of the Mountain. He lives in this weather and kites and flies in this weather. His profession has always been paragliding and he wins and he has the paperwork for it like right. the, don't tell me i'm better than this guy like what, what are you trying to get me away from and um so i start looking at new gliders I start flying new gliders and i find one that's got the paperwork even safer and i did a side by side with uh with dell on this thing and we went we went numbers for numbers like square meters for square meters and the emotion climbed out faster and uh, it was a little bit faster but i don't really care about speed I'm not really big on efficiency. I care about handling, and I like the way it handled. And man, he, he just he hammered me for that. He, uh, yeah, you well, you've seen it. Oh yeah, he
0: hammers. He hammers a lot. But um, you, with being having so many years in here, uh, as far as a paramotor pilot, what would you recommend as like somebody's first wing? I mean, I know a lot of people get into this. Like, what's what's the best wing? What's the most stable? What's the what will keep me safe kind of wing? What, what, what would you recommend? There's a lot of wings that will keep you safe. Oh, I, I totally understand that. There's not much.
1: Just rattle off, I don't know, your first couple that you think. Um, uh, the Bolero 5 is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Rush 5 is good. Um, what's, what's the one that everybody talks about? The Mojo? The Mojo is, mm-hmm. a, is a very, very safe wing. The Bright 5 is another great wing. Um. The thing is, if you get – if you're going for – and these are all certified wings. When they're free flight, there's actually no such thing as a certified paramotoring wing. If you go absolute total beginner, you know, like a, or, an, or an anarchist, anything like that, you're going to be – it's going to be so slow, and it's actually going to be harder to launch than if you can get something a little bit still beginner – but a little bit more intermediate. So there's a big, one of the things is, a lot of companies take, for their absolute most beginner wings, they take paragliding wings, and they put motorizers on them, or trim tabs, and they paramotor them. Now, there's a big difference in the way these wings are meant to get air. The way the air flows over these wings in paragliding wings, the the wing hangs back more compared to paramotoring wings. This is because when you're free flying, a lot of the times the wind is coming up from underneath you and there's no pressure from the motor. So the wing will automatically be over your head more because it's not meant to counter any sort of forward thrust from an engine. It's also catching lift from underneath you.
0: I'm sorry, just so I'm, just so I'm straight. Are you talking about the, the free-flying or motor? I, I didn't understand which one is which.
1: Let's take the Mojo 5. Okay. That's, that seems to be the most popular beginner wing amongst paramotor pilots okay. yes. uh, and, be, and because they make it with um, motorizers. Okay. Right? So what that is, that's a certified ENA glider by paragliding standards. When they test it for ENA standards, though, the weight range is a lot less than what they suggest for paramotoring pilots. Right then and there that voids the sur- the safety. That does not mean that it is not a very safe wing. It just means that you're slightly going over the weight or it's 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 pretty I think I can't remember if it's forty pounds or sixty pounds. You're going over the weight, which means it's just gonna act a little bit more more dynamic. It'll also recover faster because there's more weight, it's more loaded. But this wing is very hard to launch. The Mojo 5? The Mojo 5. The five. For, for if, you're a motor, if you're a motor guy, if you're a free flight guy, it's easier to launch. Gotcha. Because they're doing reverse launch and they're pulling up reverse. They're walking down a hill or up to the edge of a hill where the wind is starting to come underneath them. They it's great. Them yeah, no, they're applying brake pressure to keep this wing from overflying them. And paramotoring... Same wing with motorizers. See, paragliding wings only have speed bar. They have twice as much speed bar as free flight wings, whereas paramotor wings have half speed bar or 40% speed bar, or depending on the wing, 60% speed bar, and then whatever the leftover percentage is of the speed acceleration of that wing will be in uh, trim tabs. So they have the wing is designed to hang back a little bit more because in in free flight in free flight when you're motoring you have the thrust of the engine the thrust of the engine creates forward pressure on the glider which will push the glider back right now if it's already a free flight wing where the glider will naturally rise be riding over your head more based on no motor pressure and based on the updraft of wind Uh If it's a free flight glider, it's already hanging back far. Then you add the pressure of the motor, so it hangs back even further. Oh, I didn't realize. Yes, that. Yes, okay. and it doesn't penetrate as well. Oh, okay. So it's
0: actually better because I started on a Roaster Three, which is a which is a B wing.
1: Launches it, is easier. Launches easier. It's a easier. Param- it's actually the Roaster Three is actually not a certified B wing. What they do on the and, and what they do on this test, and I, I wish companies would stop doing this. Is they take the Roadster and they test it, but it's actually not a B, it's a B asterisk. And what B asterisk means is it's a B in what we tested, but we left a bunch of stuff out.
0: Because I saw that, and the little asterisk is
1: what, like the risers and tip steering? Or the um, the tip steering? Tip steering, uh, they don't do fully accelerated Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Because certain things are irrecoverable on certain wings based on... Like in reflex wings if you go past a certain point and you go into those reflex that reflex if you actually pull too much brake it will call it will cause a deflation now that wing launches really easy I and it's really it does surprised not like the frontal it won't frontal. my if my, my roadster it, sure, right it's not going to frontal when you're kiting it it's probably not going to frontal where you're when you're launching it and you let it overfly you. Mm-hmm um and today mm-hmm. i flew that a wing
0: it took a lot to get that thing up i had to hold a's a lot longer uh-huh. and um exactly. and i was like why is this this is an a wing and it even seemed like it like like i had more oscillations in the a wing than i did in my b wing
1: yes i i think part of the oscillations is because it was a little bit smaller uh-huh. but absolutely we had to build more pressure to pull the wing up i told you to wait a little bit longer pulling her up um and holding those a's a lot longer because that wing isn't, ex- it isn't it's isn't trim different. Yes. So you have to hold A's longer because the wing wants to hold back at like 10.30. Yes. Whereas a paramotor wing wants to hang out at like 11.45. Gotcha. Right. Yes. So the original question being beginner wings, the reason I like the SEMA Power, that's my favorite beginner wing, because it's not a full-blown beginner wing. Mm-hmm. It's... Slightly past that, okay. So it's it's actually. Would you consider my my roaster three, a slightly past the beginner wings also? And no, I would consider that intermediate. Okay. When you stay inside of the weight range. Okay. Uh, with with, tri- with
0: trims all the way in, you'd still consider it, that it
1: intermediate. Trims in when when trims when trims out on that thing, it's uh, it's a different it's a different machine. Interesting. Because it's once you go past a certain point on trimmers out it's irrecoverable from collapses oh
0: oh so so like past neutral
1: that's why we never did anything speed bar with you
0: right well like like past neutral or is that what you're talking about because i usually no, go not, trims not, in no, 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 no not, not 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 past neutral way past all the way at the end oh all the way to the end so if i stay at neutral when i like because i launch at, it at, at...
1: it's very safe
0: okay yeah because i launch um with uh, my trims all the way in, mm-hmm. when I get up there, if I want a little bit more penetration or a little bit more speed, I'll go to neutral. Mm-hmm. And even even uh, foot dragging, I know it's going
1: to neutral. I get some more speed doing yes. that. When you're low, you should be, yeah, neutral. Uh, just don't, when you go all the way out. All
0: the way out, don't touch the brakes.
1: No, you can touch them. Don't get deep in them.
0: You, but that, that's why they have this tip steering, though,
1: right? Yes, that's why they have the tip steering. You don't want to get real deep in the brakes. And when you go full speed bar on that thing, Uh you start doing the – don't touch the brakes at all. So. I uh, really like the tip steering. It's really fun. Yeah. The thing I don't like about it is you can't recover a deflation with tip steering. So, in other words,
0: if you are all the way out, and, of course, you're not supposed to touch brakes, and you're tip steering, but you go for a collapse – you won't be able to recover because you can't
1: pull brake or tip string, right? Yeah, you can't pull brake. That'll make we'll a anyway. Yeah. Can't pull tip steering because that pulls in the wingtip. Interesting. So you're kind of at the,
0: the mercy of mm-hmm. the wind.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's that's kind of like... Is that when you would have to re- pull a reserve? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I would do at that point. So when I fly on my reflex wings and I go into reflex mode,
0: and reflex mode means past neutral
1: yeah which, yeah you go all the way out I go all the way I, I when I go into reflex I, I don't mess around in the middle either, I'm either in or out right oh, okay. and when I go if if I'm flying around I'll have so I don't have I don't have 3d steering or 2d steering I have I stick my middle finger in That's what I do yep, yes so I can drop them yes um yeah so I can drop the wingtip steering now, if I'm just trying to catch up, or we're going where we're going, and it's getting bumpy, and I'm in reflex mode. What I do is I hook my middle fingers in to the trim tabs, and I weight shift only. And then if I if I hit some bumps or some turbulence, I I pull the trimmers down, so now I'm in conventional mode, and I can oh, recover stuff. Neat. Yeah, so I'll, so I'll be I'll be flying. <laughs> That's why you keep your. Yeah, I'll your start. You know, I feel like a whack is coming. You mm-hmm. can feel it building. You know. Right. And I'll pull them down, and I'll come through it, and then I'll slide them right back up. Mm. And I think I, I think I go a little bit over the top with, with the controls on it. But I also think I won't get caught off guard by being overcautious about it. Right. Okay. But back to that, that beginner wing question. So the difference in, like, the reason why I like the SEMA power, the main reason, it's it over the rest of the beginner wings, is because it's a beginner wing, mm-hmm. like. The the SEMA power started off as a SEMA, went to SEMA K two, went to the SEMA, or went to the Dominator, and then that was went to Dell route, and then they came out with the SEMA HR. These are all hike and fly gliders up until this point, point. and then they came out with the SEMA power, which is a paramotor wing. It's a paramotor. That's why they call power. it power. Yeah. Okay. So what they did, everybody else took a free flight wing, and they said we'll put motorizers on it and we'll make it the beginner wing, whereas Sky said. We're going to take a free flight wing. That's a beginner wing. It's nice and safe. And we all know it. And that wing was, that, that wing's bloodline basically was always being used for paramotoring for the last decade. Gotcha. So they took that wing and that design. And they did the things like the reinforced leading edge and all that technology stuff that is not my ballpark. What they did was they trimmed it different. And they trimmed it so it adjusts to the thrust of the motor. So instead of being a safe wing that hangs back. And hangs back even further with the thrust of the motor mm-hmm. it is meant to be more overhead so you're not riding with as much pressure that is really cool and I mean. and that's the reason why that wing's so good I, I think that's something that all companies should do and that that's why that wing is you know that's why i like that one so much same with the flux the flux is an intermediate paramotor wing that's conventional mm-hmm. most Every single other company out there has their intermediate parameter wings go right to reflex. And like we were talking about earlier, once you go, once you pass that point of no return, when you go into reflex mode and you can't use your brakes, right. what's the difference between being on a beginner reflex wing and being on the hottest reflex wing out there? Because when you're in reflex mode, you can't do shit about it anyways. Interesting. You know? so, so, give it the plates. You're going to throw whether it's if you're in full reflex on a beginner reflex wing or a full-blown reflex wing, you're going to throw anyways. The only difference is how fast it goes before you throw or how violent it gets when it actually goes.
0: Is it possible for for those wings, like you said, it's like it goes and you're in reflex, it collapses. If you have enough altitude and you pull those trimmers in, do you think that it would
1: reinflate?
0: Possible. Oh, yeah.
1: If you get those trimmers in, um and also like sometimes they'll pull a deflation mm-hmm. and they'll go and the wing will shoot and then it'll recover if the pilot doesn't do anything mm-hmm. you know so yeah i mean so for sure Duke, so going on these siv courses the thing it, that i don't like about it is you're disconnected from it i would rather i want something that i have more control of mm-hmm. that might be more likely to slip up rather than something that is less likely to slip up but when it does there's nothing I can do about it.
0: But that's one of the reasons why you have a SIV course, too. If I wanted to practice something like that, I could. If I couldn't recover, um, I got a boat, I got reserves, and I could do something like that, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what we push for. Like, if somebody wants to go take their reflex wing mm-hmm. and uh, let those trimmers out and go for it, we fully support that. And uh, But whenever anybody shows up like that, they just don't want to do it. I yeah, but also uh, I mean, yeah, we're all pumped about it until we're like, all right, let's let's see that. Let's see that full speed bar. You know, on, on a on a conventional wing, mm-hmm. we push for it, go for it. They want to do it on the reflex. It's like, yeah, you're over water. This is the place to do it. This right. is the place to find it out. But usually they kind of they get cold feet on the reflex wings. It's interesting. When That's I was where we had the other wings, when I was really
0: up high, I was thinking if I had to pull a reserve right now. That's a long flight down on a reserve. Um, I think that I understand why people mess with their wing so long while they're up in the air because you have a long time to try to, un you know, mess that wing before you do really have to, to pull a reserve. Yeah. And when it inflated, I was, what, 500 feet above the, the water? And I touched down really nice and light. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I, 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 with reserves, I say get the biggest reserve that you are willing to take because no matter how big it is, you always come down fast. And it's always it's always faster than this, you yeah, want.
0: And it's straight down. And, and it's straight down, yeah. That's why I decided to get a steerable because at least I'm moving forward and I can kind of, you know, steer where I need to go. Yeah. Next time I come out to an SIV course, I'm going to have to take that and throw that one out. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are way over an hour. I usually try to keep my podcast at an hour, but man, it is so fun talking with you. Andrew, how do we get up with you again, real quick?
1: Uh, Skytapparamotors.com or Skytap Angel on YouTube. Find me on Facebook or just give me a ring. That, that's awesome. A ring.
0: So, like, like, getting married ring or just a call on the phone well well, easy (laughs) (laughs) man it's been so great time with you Uh, uh, you guys if you are interested in doing any type of SIV course definitely get up with Andrew this is my first one like I said I've only been flying for six months Uh, most people that I've talked to you usually fly for about a year before they even think about uh, going to an SIV course, and um, it's kind of 50-50 about actually getting a reserve. What are your recommendations
1: about getting reserve, like right after school, or, or when? Yes, I like everybody to fly with a reserve, even if they're, if, you're, if it's your first flight as a student, that's okay, a couple first flights as a student, it's okay to not have one. On your own, I think everybody should have a reserve. Uh, you don't know what kind of weather conditions you'll be you'll be sucked up in, right. you know, or you could get caught in in reserves, especially in like high velocity situations where you're traveling fast. They can open at really low altitudes, really low altitudes, like under 100 feet. So
0: I threw a reserve um, today. My the last flight uh, we this was a two day thing, and uh, I, I pulled the reserve, and I thought I was going to feel like you know falling and then you know feeling the you know the catch and stuff uh, to, from what i remember and what i see on video is probably two different things you probably lost 30 feet from the time you pulled that handle to the time the thing was over your head I, you know? I didn't feel like i lost too much at all so uh thank you so much for the siv course thank you for everything that you've done helping me get to the you know in the safest paramotor uh, in my opinion it's definitely the safest motor i've i've done so much to it and they have no damage at all which is absolutely amazing you guys thank you so much uh, come and see me on my channel ppggrampa.com if you want to hear more podcasts we have them over at paratalk.org you guys have a wonderful day leave some comments down below or wherever you can leave comments and we'll catch you next time have a good one y'all
1: see you guys